Hello. How are we? Are we good? Happy Mama's Day. Wow, one person. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Well, if you're new here, my name is Jen Ramla. I am the missions pastor here at Influence Church, and I love what I get to do. You know, this position, I've been in this role almost four years, and this position is filled with healings and redemption stories. This is a ministry that truly believes that we need to bring salvation to people, truly believes that we need to bring dignity in God's truth to our community. And so I am honored to, to be able to run this ministry. And many of you know, if you just saw uh, my beautiful mother, that is my mother, um, uh, that we have serve day coming up. And 100 of you have signed up. So well done, good and faithful servants. We are excited. But um, I just want to encourage you, if you've not signed up, the last day to sign up is Tuesday. And you're saying, what is Serve Your City? Serve Your City is where we go in and we minister to families with food um, and prayer who are in low income, meaning they're making under $30,000 a year combined for a family of five. We are um, handing out backpacks and essentials to individuals struggling with homelessness. And we are also mowing lawns for disabled and elderly individuals in our cities of Anaheim. And so so it's going to be a wonderful day to really go out. And let me tell you something. There is nothing greater than to take, taking your family to go serve God's people, to train your children that this is what we do. This is what God has called us to do. And so I want to encourage you to sign up. You can bring your kids. My kids have gone every single time. Even my baby, who's now two, she has served on my husband's back in the backpack every single year. So um, even if you have babies, bring them. It's a great time um, to really be the church. Well, my parents are away. They are reawakened this weekend, which is why I get to speak. But I am not with my mama on Mother's Day. And so I want to give honor where honor is due. My mother was and still is the greatest mother my brothers and I could have had. She was sensitive and caring and loving and kind and supportive. She was our cheerleader. She was our shoulder to cry on. And if you want to know, is Tammy always this positive? Yes, obnoxiously so. When you're a teenager in one event and she's trying to be your life coach. Um, but as a pastor and a minister herself, my mom got it right. You see, the first thing my mom role modeled to us was Jesus comes first. God is the love of my mother's life, not my father, God. And she role modeled that to us as children. When we would come down and want breakfast, she would say, mama's almost done. I'm doing my quiet time. She would go on retreats by herself for weekends, not to the spa, but to an empty cabin where she had no cell service to pray with the Lord. You see, she role modeled that Jesus comes first. But this is what she did right as also. Her family came next. You see, a lot of pastors and a lot of people in the church confuse their personal relationship with the Lord and their ministry, and they combine them, and families end up getting third. But my mama didn't. She said, God has given me three children to pour into, to minister to, to guide. And so that was her first ministry, was her family. And I, and I love that because she, she constantly was involved in our life. She, she, went, she was the most selfless person. She went to every sporting event. And my brothers and I literally played every sport. And if you name a sport, yes, we played it. We played every sport. We did every play. I did every choir. I, I toured around nationwide one summer to 40 states. And my mom went to like 30 of them. She was our biggest supporter. She was our biggest fan. But the other thing she does, every time we got in the car, she did Bible drills. I mean, we could be going to McDonald's and she'd be like, all right, Bible drill, Revelation 4. And we'd have to go real quick to it because she wanted us to understand the word of God. 
She wanted us to know that when we were struggling, we could go to 1 Corinthians or we could go to John 10.10 10 and we would know. And so no matter if we were driving to McDonald's or we were driving to Kansas to visit my grandma or St. Louis, we would do Bible drills. And my parents, my mom's primary focus as my dad, but today's Mama's Day, so I'm honoring Mama, but was their children. And did you know all three of their children are in some sort of ministry role? Now, this is not by chance. It's because we had a mama and we had a daddy that poured into us the word of God that said, yes, God has called us to be ministers and to bring salvation wherever we go, but first he has called us to be parents. And I was thinking about my parents and and thinking about my mama specifically on Mother's Day and thinking, man, my mom battled every single day of her life for her children, but she also taught us how to battle. And so today, the title of my message is very timely, and I was just like literally bawling. I looked at my husband, I said, is my mascara everywhere? Because I was bawling because pre-service prayer was all about the battle. Worship was all about the battle, and today I'm going to talk to you about how to fight like a mother. Fight like a mother. You know, mamas are warriors, and whether you have never given birth or you have given birth eight times, we need mamas. We need women who want to be mothers. And whether you are post-menopause or you are 18 years old with a dream to have a baby, we need women who have a mother's heart. Now, many of you might be saying, well, Jen, I never had the opportunity to have children. Or I don't have children yet. Or God has not given me children yet. Well, we still need you. I'm going to say it again. We still need you. We need women who can go in the community and impact this next generation in a positive light. We need women who will stand up for children whose mamas don't know Jesus yet. Whose mamas don't know how to teach them to battle because this this upcoming generations need mamas, whether it is by birth or adoption or mentorship, who will rise up and say, I will stand with you. I will fight with you. I will pray with you. I will walk alongside you. And many Mother's Day messages seem to be aimed at maternal mothers. But let me tell you, in today's generation, we need all women to rise up and stand up as Christian role models to these young generations to show these kids what a mama's heart for God's kids look like. And so whether you are 15 years old or you are 90, today this message is for you. Now, men, I understand you get really excited on Mother's Day because you're like, cool, they're gonna talk to the women. We can check our fantasy. Or, ooh, the Rams schedule just came out on Friday. I'm about to see who they're going to play. But let me tell you, we don't need men on the sidelines. We need men in the game. Ooh, some of the men are like, dang, she's getting me today. You know, a mama's instincts are some of the most fierce. Even in the animal kingdom, you look it up, they're like attacking, man. They don't play. Mamas don't play. Mamas protect Mama's fight and mama's love. And being a mom of two kids, hopefully more on the way, and being a mentor to young women, it is my job to protect these girls. It is my job to guide them and pour into them and encourage them. And so many times we're, we're tired or we're overwhelmed or we're stressed and our kids begin to feel that. Our, if we're ministering to kids, they begin to feel that. And then they begin to walk in it. And so I feel like we need to have a strategy session today in the church. Because many churches and many families in the church, they're struggling, but they don't know how to fight properly. You don't know how to boldly stand up in confrontation or when you're battling things in your mind and you don't know how to the courage to say no. You don't know how to actually, when you're waging war, actually win. 
But you know, God designed us to be victors, not victims. But when you don't know how to fight, when you don't have the weapons and the strategies, you end up feeling like a victim, and this is where the enemy comes in. I was thinking about David and Goliath the other day. What made, I'm thinking about this boy I dated in first grade, dated in first grade. Skinny, wimp, nerd, praise Jesus, he moved, okay? I'm thinking about him, and I'm thinking, this is like David. He is tiny, he's a herding sheep, and all of a sudden, he walks up and he says, I'm gonna fight that giant. Now, this was the baddest giant, the biggest giant he'd ever seen. What made a boy delivering bread to his brothers? He wasn't even the warrior. He was just delivering bread to his brothers. Say, not only am I going to fight this man, I'm going to beat him. I'll tell you what it was. This young boy knew what his weapon was. This boy knew that anyone who insulted the most high God was going down. So even though this giant was big, even though this giant was scary, even though this giant was fierce, he was going to conquer him because his heavenly father was bigger and ain't nobody going to mess with his daddy. What if we raised our children to know that no matter what they faced, that the giant on their side was bigger, that God could go before them and win the victory? and that they could be victorious too. But how we do this, you're like, Jen, cool. How do we do this? You see, the enemy's gonna continue to pick on us until we activate our weapons. Until we walk with the authority that Jesus Christ has given us. Now, many of us know Ephesians 3.20. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. And then we stop there. We miss the point of the, of the whole verse according to his great power that works in us. So we struggle to muster up our own courage or our own strength or use our own ability or say, I'm so exhausted of fighting this battle. It's because you're trying to use your strength, your power. But God says, I am able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever ask or think because of my power, not yours. And I just wonder that if we raise our children to understand that the God of the universe is living inside of them, and then when we activate the Holy Spirit, that they can be victorious true. But the only way for this next generation to learn, the only way for our children to understand the power of the living God that is living inside of them and how he fights for them is as us as parents and mentors and grandparents and youth group leaders learn to train up a child to train them up in biblical truths and in scripture and in prayer. You know, nobody's gonna walk into battle without a fight. Even David grabbed rocks. Yet every single day we send our children into battle and then we're broken and we're confused when they come home and they have lost. It's time to rise up families. It's time to teach our children how to fight, but we have to be examples of this. We have to be in the word of God, reading the word of God. We have to be quoting scripture around the house. We have to be praying out loud so our children know that we are naming and claiming the victory so they know they can be victorious too. We have to be the role model. And I'm telling you, these babies, they are dealing with more than they ever did. And the enemy doesn't care who they are. It doesn't matter if you're considered low income, middle class, high class. If your kid goes to public school, if you're paying 30 grand for private school, the enemy will attack whoever looks weak, whoever looks unprepared. And so we prepare them today. We begin to prepare them. But if we're honest, many adults don't know how to fight either. We're sitting here and we're like, cool, so I'm supposed to teach my baby something I don't know. 
And I get this, as a mama, we lay in bed at night and we think about everything we did wrong. We raised our voice. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't discipline enough. We got short-tempered. So-and-so does more at the school than me. I'm not a PTA president. I'm not doing too much. So-and-so is a better mom than me. I can't believe I spanked my child today. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did that. And we terrorize ourselves at night. Mamas, women who can't get pregnant, we terrorize ourselves, and the enemy says, you're never going to get pregnant. This is never going to happen for you. And you lay there, and you're like, I can't believe this. I can't, this is my life. This is my heart. Why? And we terrorize ourselves. Men, you lay in bed, and you say, I should be providing more. I should be stronger. I should be more, more. I should be more. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough. I'm not man enough. And the more I hear this, the more I realize we need to be training and teaching on spiritual warfare. Because this church should not be going to bed thinking of any of that. We should be going to bed saying, I have the victory in Jesus. Victory is mine. And so you say, cool, Jen. How do we do it? The one thing I always tell people is you got to get rooted and booted. You got to get rooted in the word of God and you got to get booted with your boots on. You got to get rooted in the word of God. You can't teach your children what you don't know. And I'm, t- I'm not telling you to get in the word of God to fulfill your quiet time allotment. I'm telling you to get in the word of God to be a better spouse, a better parent, a better coworker, a better friend. I love what Bill Johnson says in Raising Giant Killers. And if you're a parent, go on Amazon today, buy this book. You're welcome. It will change your life. Raising Giant Killers by Bill Johnson. I did not want to succeed at pastoring a church, but failing and leading my family. So family became a primary focus in my study for scripture. I looked for every chapter, verse, or phrase that would help me be a better father and husband. I wanted more to be than being a good dad. I wanted to raise giant killers pure and simple. I want to raise children who will influence the course of world history. In order to raise children who know how to kill giants, we have to prepare them. We have to show our children the battle plans that are laid out in the word of God because they're not going to learn them themselves. So you walk alongside them. And if they come to you and they say, this is what's going on right now, whether it's in my head or at school or in my situation, you get in the word of God if you don't know the answer. What a beautiful moment to get in the word of God today and say, let's find the answer together. If your babies are too young, like mine, to sit with you while you read 17 chapters, get in the word of God and say, I'm gonna come back to you with that answer. The thing that we do in my house is we have pieces of paper all over our house with Bible verses. And if I'm struggling or my husband's struggling or our kids are struggling, we go up to that and we read it. And we understand it. And we walk them through what it means to have the authority you carry in Christ. And you're saying, cool, Jen, give me a verse so I I have something today. Luke 10, 19. This is my favorite verse. I quote this all the time. Behold, I have given you authority to stomp over serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. I have given you authority. We have not, God has not just given George Haynes authority, although he has it. He has given all of us authority. All of us authority. Authority means power. Authority means control. Authority means jurisdiction. God has given you the authority, the power, the control to stomp on the devil. He has given you jurisdiction 
to conquer what you need to conquer with the Holy Spirit. But this is the problem. Many of us aren't walking in that authority. And so we're wondering, well, why don't I have the power? Oh, somebody rub up on me and give me the power. You have the power. You just need to activate it. You have to believe Jesus Christ when he told the disciples that I'm going to give you power to go and heal and cast out demons. He gave you that same power. But this is the problem. The enemy has tricked many of us into believing that his power is greater. Therefore, we're at his mercy. You see, we believe God is more powerful than the enemy, but are we more powerful than the enemy? Lies. This is where he gets us. He has tricked us. And if the church only realized the power that we have in the Holy Spirit, how different would our battle look? My daughter, Gracie Bell, she was up here, in my opinion, the cutest, but all of you should think your child is the cutest. She's five. And she is the sweetest, most emotionally in tune little girl. Many things move her. And I have no doubt that God is going to do mighty things through her to transform his kingdom. But the one thing my husband and I have to work on with her is her courage. You see, she's very outgoing when she's comfortable. But if she's in a new environment or she's in a place where she feels suppressed or bullied, she will shut down and she will retreat. And so we've been working on with her using her big girl voice, that God has given her a voice. And the other day she got in the car and, and I said, how was your day? And she told me about an incident where she got hurt. Somebody hurt her physically. And I said, well, what did you do? And she said, well, mama, I didn't say anything because I'm shy. And I said, Gracie Bell, who told you you're shy? And she shrugged. And I said, baby girl, who told you you're shy? Not your mama, not your daddy. You see, Brandon and I don't speak that in our home. I said, Gracie Bell, you're a teapot, baby. You take a little bit of time to warm up, and that's okay. That's called discernment. That is how I speak over my child, because did you know that our labels can cripple our children? Like, wow, you're shy, or wow, you're loud, or wow, you're a lot. And what happens is these labels cripple them, and then the enemy uses them as crutches to make them not be able to move. And so it's important for us to not only be mindful of our words, but when someone speaks something over our child to immediately dismiss it in Jesus' name so nothing can come, become a stronghold. So if you ever tell my daughter, oh, are you just shy? Oh, no, she's not shy. <laughs> I refuse to have a grown woman making excuses because someone when she was little told her she's shy. And let me tell you why I'm doing this because when I was six years old, a boy told me that nobody likes me because I'm loud. <laughs> I'm glad everyone finds enjoyment in my stronghold, great. And I believed him. I believed him. And so every time, and I moved a lot as a child. I was in five schools just in seventh grade. And so every time I'd start a new school and I didn't have friends, I would go home and I would cry and say, they don't like me. Every time I wasn't invited to a party or to go out, I would go home and I would tell my mom, but they don't like me. When my husband and I got together and started dating, when I'm very similar to Gracie. So if you ever think, wow, Pastor Jen's kind of a booty hole. I'm not. If I don't know you, I'm kind of like more reserved. Okay, just know, just because I'm loud up here does not mean that's always me. And I remember I didn't talk much this first day. We were at this derby party and we got in the car and he goes, what's wrong with you? Why don't you talk? I said, I was just feeling it out. I was like, I don't think they like me. For 20 years, I believed that people did not like me because I was loud. For 20 years, all because one boy, Russell, 
me that people don't like me because I'm loud. But you know what I did? I began to think about it, and I began to think, man, I actually have a lot of friends. I've been in a lot of weddings, which means I have a lot of friends, and a lot of people like me. Listen, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, okay? I'm loud. I grew up in New Jersey. I'm in your face. I like to make jokes. It's not everybody's thing. But guess what? Part of me winning the victory was being okay that not everybody was going to like me. And so when the enemy would whisper, they don't like you, I'd be like, that's fine. I got enough people. Anybody else? I'm good. I got enough people. But listen, we have to help our children identify who's speaking to them. Is it the father of lies or is it their heavenly father? So when our children say things like that, you say, who told you that? I did this the other day on the playground. A little girl, nine years old, told me she had anxiety. I said, who told you you have anxiety? You're nine. And she looked at me, and Gracie's looking at me. And I said, did you know if you feel anxious, you need to pray to Jesus? You do not have anxiety at nine. We need to ask her, who is speaking over you? Who told you you're not loved? Who told you you're not valued? Who told you you're not liked? Who told you you're not smart? Who told you you're not wanted? Because your heavenly father would never speak that over you, which means it's the father of lies. And so we teach our children to know this. And sometimes the father of lies will speak through other people. This does not mean they're bad people. It just means they're battling too. And I tell Gracie that. I say, these little kids, they're battling too. Okay? So you do not walk in what they speak of you. You look at them and say, I am not that. I am a child of the most high God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am made in the image of God. I am more power, more beautiful than rubies. And you speak that over your life. And this is how we train our children because the enemy will come to kill, steal, and destroy. And we teach them that. Listen, the enemy wants to come and take you down, sweet baby. He wants to. So we break down scripture for them. And let me tell you, I, I feel like I need to say this. There are people in this room that need to hear this. I needed to hear this. When God told me, he said, the enemy is looking for moments of pain in your broken heart to slither in and whisper lies. And so we teach our children what the voice of the enemy is and what it sounds like, and we learn how to slay it. Because the battle is for our heart, it's for our soul, it's for our mind, it's for our future. And the enemy wants to take us all captive so that we can't walk in the fullness of our calling. If you have not realized already, this is war, mamas. This is war, daddies, friends, uncles, aunties, grandparents, mentors, youth group leaders. This is war. Don't get it twisted. And if you don't see it, just look up the news at where anxiety and depression and suicide rates are at an all-time high. Drugs, alcohol, and opioids are at an all-time high, especially in more affluent communities where these kids can afford them or raid their parents' closets. Kids are overwhelmed with gender confusion and their sexuality. The real battle starts in the mind because the battle is for your mind. We are not at war with people. No matter if you like people or not, we are not at war with people. We are not at war with your family, your friends. You are not at war with the school systems or the government or even those who want to raise your children in an antichrist environment. We are at war with the demonic powers that inspire and control those types of people. That is who we're warring with so that we know. So this is what we do. We know 2 Corinthians 10. 
where it says, we walk, though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Listen, an AK-47 and good vibes ain't fixing this. Okay? I, I do strongly advise everyone to learn how to shoot a weapon, but that is not what we're fighting. <laughs> but it is in mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against God. Anything that exalts itself against God, we pull down, and we take every thought into captive in obedience of God. Every single thought. You're feeling anxious, take it into captivity because the, Lord, because the enemy wants to hold you there. So take it in captivity and say, no, in the name of Jesus, I cast this out. You begin to battle in your mind because to be a Christian is to be a warrior, says Charles Spurgeon. The soldier of Jesus must not expect to find ease in this world. It is a battlefield and his occupation is war. Today is the day to begin to raise up warriors to raise up children who are firm in their identity, for these kids to know the power of the Lord and that their strength is within him. Listen, we need to help them understand that we fight evil with truth because evil is gonna come in and evil is gonna battle them, but with truth, truth will prevail because part of this truth that the enemy is trying to tell us is that we have these strongholds and they are ideas and ideals that are in conflict to what God says. And so the enemy is gonna inhabit these realms of thought. That is why everything is gonna start with the warfare of our mind. And so we train our children's and you train yourselves to know Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and mighty in power. Put on all, not some, Put on all of the armor of God. This is not like, I'm gonna leave the belt at home today. No, put on all the armor of God that, so that you're able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Because the devil has a plan, but you have the armor. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we are fighting against even rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Therefore, everybody say, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you're able to withstand the the enemy at the time of evil. And then listen, this is the most important part. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. That is a promise. And some of you are thinking, wow, this is a really doom and gloom message. This sounds like a Father's Day message. <laughs> listen, I'm not even, I just realized I have three minutes and I'm not even close to being done, y'all. Hope your brunch is later. And, um, but listen, I would love nothing more than to preach on black coffee and peonies and snuggly blankets, my three favorite things. But that is not the world we're living in. And if you want your children to walk in victory and have a happy and joy-filled life, then you teach them to battle so that they're not bound by the enemy. I've mentored over 69 girls in the last couple, uh, in the last, since college, who struggle with eating disorders, body image issues, cutting, porn, drugs, alcohol, you name it. And 100%, I'm telling you, 100%, of all 69 girls I've mentored, when I talk to them about their struggle and I ask them, do you think you can be set free from this? And they say, I want to. And I said, that's because you don't know how to battle. If you want to do something, you don't think you're capable. But if you know without a shadow of doubt because of the Lord, you will be an overcomer. Because listen, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But it says, Jesus says, but I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. So you teach your children that God has come to give you a life that you're going to battle, but you're also going to pray. 
All throughout scriptures, you see mamas that are praying like a mother. For mamas who desired world changers, you see Hannah who cried out for God and gave her a child. For older mamas like Elizabeth and Sarah who begged God for children into their 80s and 90s and God gave them one. For women who were told not to have children like Jochebed who did and then prayed that God would protect Moses. For young mothers like Mary who, who when she found out she was pregnant, she didn't have shame and fear because she was unwed. She prayed and gave glory to God. Even in Nehemiah 9, when they're in battle, he doesn't tell his own men who are in battle to to wage war. He says, no, 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 call for the women to come to wail and pray for us. There is something about a mama that prays because prayer sweeps the battlefield. Prayer slays the enemy. Prayer buries the bones. And so we have to be mamas and daddies that pray without ceasing. We have to be people that pray without ceasing. When Ava Lee was born and I began to intercede in prayer for her, I began to wage war. It was no longer prayer, it was waging war. I did not get down, I did not let down, I did not back up, I did not get up, I did not calm down. I literally bombarded heaven for my daughter's behalf. And one day I was praying and God says, why aren't you praying for Gracie Bell like this? Why aren't you praying for your beautiful husband like this? You see, we need to be waging war for our people. And the one thing that God has been teaching me is to be a watchman over our household, which means to keep our eyes and ears open for any challenges that we face, declaring the promises that enable us to overcome it with great victory. Because our prayer has to be both defensively and offensively. Our sword is the offense, but our shield is the defense. I love cooking. When I was pregnant with Gracie Bell, my husband bought me a bread maker. I was so excited. I'm like, I'm making a big fat pot roast tonight, a big old hunk of bread. So I made this big pot roast and I put the ingredients in for the bread maker, except I didn't have yeast. So I did what everybody does. I didn't run two minutes down the grocery store. I Googled how to make bread without yeast. And I threw it all in. Four hours later, I come over and I make the pot roast and I open up the breads as fly as a pancake. And I'm pregnant, so I'm like, I'm gonna be the worst mother! I'm the worst! And my husband, because my husband's the greatest man in the world, and I believe this with my whole heart, he went and grabbed the bread and ate it and was like, tastes good to me! But the next time I made the bread, I made sure to have the right ingredients. And the interesting thing about yeast is that once it's in the dough, you can just rest and watch it do its thing. The bread will rise in the kingdom of God. The manifestation of God's dominion is compared to leaven. Leaven is the yeast that will always take effect. Once it's worked into the dough, it can't be removed. And so our passionate prayers add the fire that causes the leaven of God's promises to be activated in our children, which causes their hearts to rise to their potential. Because prayer is powerful. Prayer is essential. Prayer will change your life. And I know, I called my dad the other day and I said, I don't know what to do with these kids. They just seem so negative. And I, I, I'm a positive person and, and I'm crying. I'm a, I call my dad all the time crying, not knowing what to do with these kids. And, and, he's, and he does what my daddy always does. He begins to laugh. And he goes, every parent thinks they know what they're doing until they get in a situation that they don't know what they're doing. They got to call somebody to ask what to do. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm calling you. And he goes, Jenny, instead of you freaking out right now about how to not know how to discipline your children to be Tony Robbins, why don't when you get in that situation with the girls, you sit down and say, let's pray and ask God what to do here. 
You see, my daddy and mom, they're always role modeling. Let's teach our children when we don't know what to do, when we're acting a fool, to sit down and pray and ask God what to do. And some of you are saying, great, Jen. Well, I'm going to teach my kids to fight, and I'm going to start praying more, I promise. But what about I'm, I'm in the middle of, of, of waiting? What do I do? you got to praise like a mother. My grandma did this. She was the best role model. She praised God no matter the circumstances. And she was crazy. We couldn't take this woman anywhere. She was four foot nothing, red hair, wild. She would walk up to people smoking cigarettes at the gas station and say, do you know Jesus? Oh, you don't? Well, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I'm not kidding. It was like her whole life was a worship set. But she was so unashamed. And if you looked at her life, you wouldn't get it. She went from orphanage to orphanage to orphanage. She was sexually abused by every foster dad, brother, uncle. And then she got adopted and was physically abused. And you'd look at her and say, how? And she would go, Jenny, when I praise Jesus, my position changes. She'd say, I don't ask anybody for advice because the only one that can do anything about it is Jesus. And so I praise and I pray until I get the answer. And even when I get the answer, no matter what the answer is, I praise. My grandma lived out Psalm 34. What if we lived out Psalm 4? I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will forever be on my lips on the mountaintops and the valleys and the hard times and the low times and the, and the times of women you are waiting to get pregnant. I will exalt the Lord at all times. I will fight the enemy with my praise. I will fight the enemy with my praise. I'm waiting for my kids to come back and know the Lord. I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will forever be on my lips. What if we ushered in the presence of God for this next generation? What if we ushered in the presence constantly at our home, a generation that is waiting and begging for their role models and their parents to not be distracted, but be on their knees before the Lord, ushering in the presence of the Holy Spirit? And one of the things I do, I was raised to praise. My grandma, my mama, there was no option. And so when I put my babies to bed, I don't sing them nursery rhymes. I sing them hymns. And one night, Ava said, Mama, shh, Abby pray, Abby sing. And I'm thinking she's about to sing Wheels on the Bus. Because that is her song. That is her jam. And she sings, Holy, holy, you God mighty. Holy, holy, you God mighty. And then Gracie Bell joins in. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. And they sing together. And then I start singing. They go, shh. <laughs> but now me and these babies, at night, my husband's like, what is happening? He can hear us from the living room. That We sing as loud as we can because I want my children to know that God inhabits his, their praises. And when Gracie Bell began to have nightmares, we started praying over her. And Ava, she's like still learning to talk. So she sounds like she's speaking in tongues. And she's saying, God, God, and we're praying. And we begin to take authority in that room. And then I sing over them and they fall asleep. And I begin to creep out. And God goes, not yet. You haven't fully taken authority in here. And so I start singing, we are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. There is no room. There is not a particle for the enemy to dwell because we are blessing this whole room. I want my babies to have visions of dreams of what God is going to do in their life. And so we, we praise and we pray and we ask God to fill that room for these babies so that no fear can dwell, no evil can dwell. 
And I'm not telling you because I'm the best parent. I'm telling you because praise, no matter if you've done a good job that day or the enemy wants to make you think that you did a bad job, your praise will change your situation. Your anger, your frustration, your, your flesh will die and it will usher in the Holy Spirit. Because praise changes the atmosphere. And when you're too tired, I get it. I'm a mama, I work a full-time job, I get it, y'all. Sometimes I'm like, Jesus loves you, good night. No, no, that's what the enemy wants. Do I want that bed? Yes, but I want these children to learn to battle more. I want these children to know that Jesus loves them and Jesus loves their worship and that when they're struggled and when they're tired and when they're overwhelmed, that Jesus will change the situation. Jesus. I tell my girls, I said, we worship Jesus not to get what we want, but because we want Jesus to know that we love him and we adore him. And what would happen if the church would rise up and say, we are gonna echo a divine proclamation over each other and over this next generation. A proclamation is releasing the authority of God's word into your situation and to your life. What would happen if we decided to take back the ground that the enemy has stolen and proclaim life over our home, not death? That we no longer speak of anxiety or worry or fear, or depression or exhaustion or overwhelm, but we speak life in our home. How would that change your home? What if we begin to rebuke fear and anger and suicide in our home and we take authority back in Jesus' name? And if you say, well, Jen, I'm tired of fighting. It's because you're fighting by yourself, stop. You have a giant behind you waiting for you to grab his hand and say, come on, daddy, fight this with me. And so mamas, I wanna start with you. If you are a mama, I want you to stand and I want you to echo this divine proclamation over your family. If you're a daddy, stand. If you are a friend, a mentor, a youth group leader, a worship leader, a mentor, stand up and say, I wanna echo a divine proclamation over my home, over my family, over my finances, over the future, over my future children, over name it and proclaim it. Teach your children that we will echo a divine proclamation that we will use the word of God to influence this generation that is crying out for true love. They're looking for love, but you need to teach them the true love. A generation that has been fighting without their battle gear on. So today, God, we pray. We pray, Father God, for this next generation. We pray for our home. I pray for every man and woman in here that is battling God, that today they will take your authority, Father God, and they will walk they will walk in your authority, that they will take every thought captive by renewing their mind, Father God. I pray in the name of Jesus that fear is cast off, depression is cast off, suicide is cast off, anxiety is cast off, gender confusion is cast off. Father God, I pray that addictions are cast off in Jesus' name. I pray that we would walk in the authority in Jesus Christ. Today we echo as a church a divine proclamation to take back our homes, take back this next generation, Generation Z, take back our generation, my baby's generation, generation alpha, and that they will proclaim the Lord, that they will worship him at all times, and that they will pray until, Father God, they see their prayer come into fruition. In Jesus' name, amen.